I'm fearsome. Good God. You'd think I'd be better at this by now, wouldn't you? I don't know what's happening to me. Hello, how are you? I'm Todd. Welcome to the Escape of the Cave podcast. Escapeofthecave.com. There's a Substack site, Tonzilla X. I've also got a brand new, brand spanking new. I mean, it's a couple hours old as I record this on December 7th, 2021. A new Rumble site. I don't trust YouTube. There's a little thing that happened to me back in 2019. Somebody tried to have me deplatformed. Me! Me! Reported me to the YouTube or something. And the YouTube yanked one of my episodes down, said it was hate speech. It wasn't hate speech, I promise you. Ever since then, though, I don't trust them. I don't trust anybody. Uh-uh, none of these, none of these uh, corpse, man. It's one thing that I will say that you anti-woke people, that you uh, Trump people, I guess, you've got absolutely right. There is a concerted effort to deplatform and silence people with blasphemous, blasphemous opinions, impure opinions, impure thoughts even, people who dare say things that go against the woke orthodoxy. It's true. There's no, there's not even any, there, there's no question about this. No question about it at all. This is distracting the hell out of me. I have to close some things. I'm sorry. I should have done this before I got on here. I apologize so much. Again, I am way out of practice here, and I'm <laughs> I'm out of practice. I haven't podcast podcasted before this week since March, and now I'm adding video. I've got three cameras. I've got one. It's running. More on this in a second. This is camera two. Now this is camera one. That's camera one. Camera two running. Time, time, and your camera three over here, which I hardly ever use. And you're running. Good. Anyway, there is a concerted effort to silence you folks. Impure thoughts, man. Impure and blasphemous, heretical thoughts that go against the woke doctrine. It's bit your friendly neighborhood and congenial Tonzilla. And he's not even... I don't know. More on this is coming. A lot more. <coughs> So I've tried this again. This is my second attempt today. We officially have a lost episode. I went through and did 40 minutes. I have a 40-minute episode that was recorded on these two, but not on this one. And none of the memory card for the goddamn podcast. 40 minutes. It got a little ranty. It got a lot ranty, actually. It's probably for the best that I'm redoing this today. Oh, I forgot to look the name of that damn thing up. Oh, well. You'll see what I'm talking about here in a minute. Anyway, there is the uh, <laughs> the Rumble site. Uh, you can check me out at YouTube, Tonsilla X, over there as well as uh, Facebook. Tonsilla X is the page URL. Uh, ETC pod over there at uh, 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 Twitter. Now, I have an Instagram thing where I'm trying to do some video stuff over there, but I don't like Instagram much. I mentioned, uh, I think, in one of the little short guys that I released uh, on YouTube, maybe a week or two back, I was talking about 
Your Undivided Attention, the podcast, Tristan Harris, and I was talking about the Facebook whistleblower and a couple other things and how they were trying to sort of convince us that there was going to be at some point a social media technological utopia, that the cure to our problems, the cure to the problems that are, be ca- that are, caused, that are being caused rather by social media, or at least exacerbated by it. That the solution to these things is more technology, more social media, just better social media. I compared it to a socialistic, communistic utopia in that they sound like those people who are saying the only thing wrong with communism and socialism is that it's never been done the right way. We just need to be done gooder. Bullshit. At least in the case of socialism. I don't know about tech. I don't know. We're, we're real early as far as uh, this hyper-connectivity that we're experiencing. It's causing a lot of problems, causing a lot of problems psychologically. You know, you, you hear Jonathan Haidt talking about Instagram, uh, how that's affecting teen girls. You, you've got the Facebook whistleblower. That was the episode that I was referring to on your undivided attention with Tristan Harris. It's a good show. It's, it's a very good show as far as it goes. That's not what I'm, where I'm going with it today. I don't really care to talk too much about the utopian stuff at this point. I mean, it's all right. But Tristan has become, I found his show early. I felt like I had found something new, right, in 2019. And I, I featured a lot of their, their audio on this show saying their praises because I loved what they were trying to do. They were somebody who they were people who were talking about the same thing I was and considered it close to the same kind of problem that I did. I appreciated that. They were they, they were one of the first. And last year they came out with that documentary. I cannot remember the name of it now. God, it's so stupid. Brian and I did an episode all about it last September or October talking about the entire thing. It's a Netflix doc. What is it called? You probably are screaming it at the at the speakers or into your headphones right now. Either way. But now he's sort of a national figure. He's been on Bill Maher a number of times. And he speaks very well and very passionately and very thoughtfully about the problem that social media and this technology is causing us. And he talks almost Pollyannically about the solutions. You know, he's one of those guys that believes, oh, we have to have a solution to this. There has to be a good solution to this. Has to be. We can fix it. We can fix it. Uplift. That's what Mencken called the uplift. He's got to have, you know, you've got to give him the, the happy, fluffy, optimistic solution. There, There's a bright future a-coming if we just work hard. Any adult of a certain age knows that sometimes there are not solutions. Sometimes there are only problems. And sometimes if something is causing you a problem, you simply have to eliminate it. Tristan reminds me of a woman. In a relationship with an alcoholic man trying to change him. I can change him. I can change him. He's a good man. Man, He'll be just fine if we just uh, get him to drink the right way. That's what he reminds me of with this stuff. And again, I could be wrong here. I've been wrong about a number of things. My point with Tristan Harris is that he's done a very good job as far as he goes. This is another complaint I have, and I'm going to highlight it, and I'm going to back it up here with something very, very personal, a personal experience with that podcast. Back in September, that show is one of the very few things that I follow on Facebook, the uh, Center for Humane Technology. Okay, That's the, the, the organization behind the Your Undivided Attention podcast. 
I'm following it. I'm checking out what they got going on. I open it up and oh my God, they're hiring. <gasps> Producer and engineer, a guy to edit the damn podcast. There's never been a job that I'm more qualified to do. An audio producer, a guy who will edit that podcast, do sound design for that podcast, and they wanted somebody who could add something to the discussion. Something new, something fresh. I am your Huckleberry. Right? Seriously. If I was ever going to apply for a job, it would have been that. I haven't found a job in the last five or ten years, that I have been more qualified to fill than that one. They're based out of San Francisco. Of course, they're based out of San Francisco. Could work remotely, though. I could edit their podcast right here on the same machine that I'm recording this one on, and I will edit my own podcast when this is done. And occasionally, apparently, they want you to fly out to San Francisco to be part of a team. I like to fly. I like to travel. I'll even go to San Francisco. As long as I don't get caught up in one of those, uh, you know, robbing mobs. That was great. Let's see what I, uh, let's check the qualification. Let's start, we got check, check. Oh, I can do this. Check. Oh, God, I've been doing that for 15 years. Check, 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 check. I get down. It's like, oh, there's, what's this say? It's like, and we, we understand that women and minorities often will not apply for positions that they are not completely and totally 100% qualified for. We would like to encourage you to apply even if you're not qualified. Apparently, I'm paraphrasing here, but that's pretty much what it said. Even if you were not quite qualified or perfectly qualified or you're not checking every box that they have on this ad, go ahead and apply anyway if you're a woman or minority. I'm like, oh, Jesus, are we going here? I keep reading. Must have. A demonstrated commitment to diversity, equality, and inclusion. <gasps> of course. Light bulbs start going off in my head. I keep reading though. Maybe I can still pull this off. I have a problem with diversity. Ah. Inclusion? It's a remote job. Fine, include me. I'll include you remotely. <laughs> Equity? <sighs> Forced outcome stuff? Yeah, we're going to have, okay, well, I'll plug my nose. A lot of people in this country, a lot of people go to work having this stuff shoved up their butt like a suppository every day. Who am I? Am I above this? Should I? Yeah, whatever. You can do it. I can do it, right? All right, I'll keep reading. Get down to the bottom. You know what they want? You know how they wanted you to apply. They don't want you to send a tape of your work. They, they don't care how, how good you are at the craft of editing a podcast, editing audio, doing sound design. You know what they wanted? You ready? A two-minute video for a position to edit audio. That's all they wanted. They wanted a two-minute video so they could Get a feel for you. I think that's how she, she put it. My ass. They wanted to look at me. They wanted to look at me to make sure that I wasn't a middle-aged white man. It's all throughout the ad. I was being told not to apply. And I was being filtered out with this video requirement. 
I'll put my audio editing up against anybody's, but I can't put that face up against a minority's. An oppressed minority. This oppressor cannot put his face next to the, you know, the group that I've been oppressing. Originally, I thought maybe I was being a little paranoid. Maybe I was being a little bitch about this, right? I, I ranted up the flagpole. Several different flagpoles. I didn't tell them anything. I gave them the, the lowdown at the very end. Each and every one of them said the same thing. Todd, you're being told not to apply. We're being told not to apply. I've seen those ads myself. And yeah, you basically know that they're telling you not to apply. This is your undivided attention, the podcast. As soon as I saw this, all the dots connected for me. This podcast, as I said at the outset, is very good for what it is. But it's only half the story. And I keep yelling. I kept telling myself, why are they only talking about Trump's people? Why are they not talking about left-wing extremism? Or only in passing, where the whole focus is on eliminating right-wing extremism and right-wing misinformation and right-wing disinformation, blah, blah, which you're absolutely right about, but they never, ever talk about the woke flag version. Now I get it. Because this is a woke organization. As Andrew Sullivan, they've been captured. That's how he likes to put it. Another organization captured by wokedom. They want to immunize people against misinformation and disinformation and all the the nastiness that comes with social media. Oh, yes, they want to immunize you against the right-wing version of it because that opens up space for the left-wing version because people can never see their own propaganda for propaganda. It's easy to see everybody else. It's easy to see the enemies. I've talked about this for, for two years. you'll, You'll pick that up instantaneously. People are incredibly adept at that. Picking up the enemy's bullshit. They're terrible. Horrendous at picking up their own. So, either this is a conspiracy, and Mr. Harris is, you know, a closet left wing activist, or he has no idea that he's excluding half of the misinformation-disinformation ecosystem. Can he possibly be that oblique, obtuse? Channeling Andy Dufresne here. How could you be so obtuse? (laughs) I thought back to that uh, documentary last year. All the footage was of right-wingers. Wasn't a lot of Antifa in there, I don't think. I don't seem to remember a lot of Antifa. Maybe there was. I, I, don't, I don't know. But everything that I'm remembering now, and most of the stuff that he and Rene DiResta and the rest of them had talked about, the vast majority of it was talking about Trump's people, the right-wing extremists. They don't want anybody who's interested in filtering through all of the dis- disinformation. They want to work to eliminate half of it. What they're trying to figure out, I think, is how to eliminate half of it technologically. Propaganda is propaganda. If you agree with it, if you like the message, you'll call it education or raising awareness, whatever the hell else you want to call it. 
It's been something I've talked about. It's something that it goes all the way back to the 1920s. Bernays understood this. Lipman understood this. You understand it as soon as you flip over to either Fox News or MSNBC, depending upon your ideological bent. If you're a liberal and you flip, flip over to Fox, you'll pick it up immediately, and you're right. But when you turn it back over to MSNBC, you think you're just being enlightened. You think you're being educated. You're just getting the news. Whereas the Fox viewer, when they flip over to Rachel Madcow at night and they react like, oh my God, I cannot believe this propaganda, they're right too. So Tristan and the good folks over at the Center for Humane Technology and that podcast in particular is coming from the Rachel Madcow angle from that camp and trying to eliminate Tucker Carlson while ignoring the propaganda coming from Mad Cow herself. Therefore, they are identifying it. They're, they're identifying a lot of the technological uh, angles, how it works, how it lures you in, but they are still part of the problem. Until they can turn this around and turn that spotlight around upon their own group, upon their own religion, They are part of the problem. On what planet do you live? If you believe that excluding anybody from a job, from applying for a job, is right based on the color of their skin, based on what's in their pants, how do you do the mental gymnastics here? Have we descended that far into extremism where that, who am I kidding? Of course we have. But there's something I I keep thinking back. I keep harping back to this, hearkening back to this one episode that I did on propaganda, the Jacques Ellul book from uh, 2019. And it's fascinating. When When I first read it, I like these light bulbs went off in my head. And they were talking, it was like from the 1950s. And this is the early days of television, right? And radio and all this. And the FCC mandated that these stations, these commercial stations, had to air public affairs programs once, twice a week. And they found, give you a little more background here, they would, they would do like almost human interest stories. Like, and here's a story, I, got, I don't know, on Puerto Ricans. Or here's a story about Greek immigrants. Or a story about the Irish. All right, And they found that while the intent was to raise awareness and unity and cohesion, like cross-group you know, group cohesion and all that, and foster understanding between these groups, they found that the only people who were listening to them <laughs> were the groups that were being featured. Puerto Ricans were listening to the show about the Puerto Ricans. But as far as any other group went, If they were to run into these programs, the studies they did found that their feelings towards these groups that were featured in these programs actually fell. They became more resentful. They liked these groups less. After (laughs) these public affairs programs that were intended to bridge these uh, differences, these, these cultural differences in these groups. Instinctively, I think we can understand why. 
We are selfish people. We are a selfish species. Narcissistic. Our own group is what matters. And when people start giving themselves or giving another group attention, like children, man, if little Billy's getting all the attention over in the corner, little Johnny and little Jenny over here are going to get pissed off. Why are you paying so much to what about us? And I'll tell you, I cannot quantify this. I can't prove it. I just know it's true. Feelings of animosity right now are skyrocketing. Group on group disgust is exploding. The more I hear about black issues and black problems, the more I hear about trans issues and trans problems, the more certain I am that instead of creating any sort of compassion and understanding among other groups, these targeted propaganda campaigns are doing little more than creating more and more animosity and division. That's the ultimate legacy of identity politics. Unity via division. I've used that phrase a million times. When you have your own little special interest group and your own special interest campaign talking about you, your little group all the time, you have to, you have to advocate for me now. We must advocate for me. And these other groups out there are like, it's me that needs to be advocated for. Unity via division. When you hear somebody squawking about identity politics and then out of the other side of their mouth comes the word unity, that's what they're doing. They're, t- they're preaching unity via division. How does that work? How does that math work? It doesn't. That's the ultimate legacy of identity politics. And we're watching it now. Everything is identity politics. It wasn't enough. They had to you know, cleave each other off as, and between men and women. Now, that isn't even enough. we got to have 15 different problems. I'm not a man. I'm not a woman. I'm, what, what the hell's the word? I'm gender fluid. Are you? You sure? Just keep the hell out of the bathroom when my daughter's in there. Said three quarters of the fucking country. Probably more. I hear you. I've had a lot of conversations in the last uh, nine months. All sorts of people. They weren't done publicly. They weren't done on Facebook or Twitter. They were done face-to-face, in-person, one-to-one. People from all over the political spectrum. From evangelical Christian to pretty... I did not have any conversations with any woke flakes. I'm done having conversations with woke flakes. If I determine that you are on... This is the left. If you are here... And common sense is here. I don't want anything to do. I can predict what you're going to say. I already know. I am familiar with your doctrine and your scripture. I do not need to have any more conversations with you. I know what you are. I already know what you think. I may not know how you're going to articulate it and package it in this particular conversation, but I know the essence of it. I'm done. The same with you, uh, Trump folks. I mean, if you're just a hardcore, hard-ass Trump supporter... I know where you are. 
I don't need to have any more conversations with you either. But the rest of you, the other, I don't know, 60% of the country who's sort of somewhere in the middle there and on, on, on the, to the left of Trump and to the right of AOC and the squad. I had a lot of conversations with people in that range. And I can tell you, I hear you. You're sick of it. You're sick of having this DEI crap or DIE. I'm going to call it DIE because that's basically what it is. Die, cracker, die. <laughs> right? Diversity, inclusion, and equity means it's time for Whitey to pay his bill. Reparations. Equity. Engineered outcome. Merit means nothing. I understand and I know how sick of this you are, how uncomfortable it makes you. Having this shoved up your butt like a suppository at work. I hear you. I hear you. I'm there with you. Attention, please. Flight 92 arriving at gate six. That's flight 92 arriving at gate six. Jesus Christ, nobody, nobody, can, nobody has enough, enough uh, of a labor force. Nobody has enough people to work. Taco Bell right up the street here. I swear to God, it's never open on Fridays. They can't get people to work there. They're paying so much money to, to have people go run the fryer at McDonald's. I'm like, God, I should do that just, just to get out of the house. <laughs> just to do something other than think about this shit all the time. Go to work at McDonald's, make 16 bucks a frickin' hour to talk to people. That occurred to me, I can't do that. I, I couldn't even do that because, because, because as soon as one of these diversity, inclusion, and equity uh, uh, farts come out, come out of the manager's mouth, I'm going to want to shove his face in the fryer. I can't. But I feel, I feel for people who have to go to work on a daily basis and endure this. And I've had these conversations with folks. I understand it. I hear you. We are on the same page. We are on the same page about more things than vaccine mandates. And cancel culture. And I, I'm afraid... That what we saw in Virginia last last month, last month, right? I think so. With the governor race out there with Yunkin, critical race theory in schools and all this. I suspect that's the canary in the electoral coal mine. And I suspect that before long, we are going to be experiencing not a backlash. It sure as hell isn't just a boomerang. It's going to be a backdraft. To all of this, from comedy, from Dave Chappelle again, having to listen to this crap again. I watched the Dave Chappelle special. I watched it several times, actually, because I wanted to boost his numbers on Netflix. <laughs> but I watched it. There was nothing transphobic about it. He made jokes about trans people. That's, that's your idea of transphobic. Now, you can't joke about the protected species. What's the matter with you? The story he told about his trans friend, I think the, the woman who ended up committing suicide? 
They just told you it was trans. Okay. I don't know who came up with the idea of creating a scapegoat out of 60% of the population. White people are 60% of the population at least. I don't know who came up with the idea or who thought it would be a good idea to say, hey, let's demonize 60% of the population so we can get into power. I made a comparison to where, where woke flakes remind me now of what the Tea Party looked like 10 years ago. But there's one huge distinction, and that's it. The Tea Party, which eventually turned into Trumpism, targeted white people, targeted the majority. This woke flake religion, however, <laughs> is targeting 16% of the, of the public of just black 20, maybe 20% of the population is Hispanic, and the Hispanic vote, you're losing it. It's, it's moving toward the Republicans. Who told you this was a good idea? You're making enemies out of allies. I didn't change. I'm still, politically, I am still the same person I was four years ago. I didn't leave you, you left me. How is this a good idea? Work hard to demonize 60% of the country. Whiteness is bad. What? How stupid are you? At some point, this has got to come back, and it's going to. And I'm here to help it. It needs to come back. That's where I think this podcast is eventually going to go. It's been sort of edging there anyway for the last couple of years. I don't think I'm breaking any news here. I think I'm just admitting it finally. And I say admitting it finally <clears throat> because one of the things that I've been really leery of, really hyper aware of something that Jacques Lule put in his book, Propaganda, Formation of Men's Attitudes. Uh, if you're new to the show, I, I did a whole series of podcasts on that book back in 2019. Anyway, one of the things that he said in that book that I've been really aware of and very, very frightened of, is he said that if you leave a propaganda, if you leave a doctrine or a dogma, if you leave something that has been sustained by daily nourishment, the daily nourishment, your daily portion of propaganda, if you leave that, you're in danger of joining the other one. And if you do get sucked into the other one, it'll be twice as strong. You'll be twice as intense against your old orthodoxy. He used the example of Christianity, like uh, someone who was once, for once upon a time a very, very devout believer. And once they lose that religion, become atheistic, they become a very passionate, intense atheist against their old religion. Use the example of communists as well, people who maybe grew up in Cuba 
had something happen to them. Uh, maybe they were a believer in communism once upon a time. They become a rabid anti-communist, though they're, they're, they're twice as anti as they were communist. I've been really leery of that. Trying to be as uh, aware of it as I can. Making sure that I don't fall into that. I don't want to become a Trump supporter. And I'm not in danger of becoming a Trump supporter. However, there's also a very limited time that you can remain unaffiliated. I, I, I talk about Solzhenitsyn quite a bit. I've got a huge biography of his sitting right over there. It's, it's an excellent book. He talked about the red and the white armies. And how it, it, it became almost impossible to remain neutral. And Matt and I have talked about this as well. We talk about chimpanzees way too much. We used to talk about chimpanzees way too much. Sounds like a non sequitur. It's not. We're a tribal species. Like it or not. We talked about tribalism as though it's a flaw. No, it's a trait. And we would talk about chimpanzees. There's videos of them all over YouTube that we share 99% of their DNA. They're, they're as close to human as any other species, right? And we would talk about them. It would be like, you know, well, we always hear about, you know, chimpanzees and the tribes and the, these little groups of chimps will attack the, the neighboring group over there and take their land, take their stuff, whatever. But they would stop fighting each other whenever they would find a lone chimp someplace. Like, ah, we're fighting these guys. We're fighting. Look, over there. There's a, there's a lone chimp over there. Hold on. We'll get back to you in a minute. Come help us get that. Let's go get him. <laughs> the interloper, the lone interloper. <sighs> doesn't have a group, doesn't have a tribe. He's an easy target. You can't remain unaffiliated forever. You can't remain neutral and stay in the fight. Not forever. That was one of the uh, most arrogant things I think I probably did. I'll use, I'll, I'll own arrogance. Maybe it's just, uh, I don't know, naive. Maybe that's a better word. But thinking that I could remain aloof. I understand tribalism better than 90% of the people in this country. In this world, probably. And to think that I could somehow <laughs> stay aloof of it. The people will not listen to you. They won't listen to you. They have to know your affiliation. They have to know your group affiliation first. You've noticed this. You've had to have noticed this. When you're hearing somebody talk on social media or you're listening to somebody on television, you want to know, are they a liberal or are they a conservative? So you know how to compartmentalize them. If they're unaffiliated, you have to listen to what they say. And then you're just going to find the one thing that goes against what you believe, and you'll use that as the excuse to discount anything they have to say. Human nature. So staying unaffiliated. Abandoning tribalism. Thinking that you can, you can operate outside of it. It might be folly. Because then you're only, it's like the people who hate people party. It's an old Bill Hicks thing. I probably used this example before. 
<laughs> but what are you doing? You're looking for a group? You're looking to build an anti-tribal tribe? Good luck with that. <laughs> How do you build a group? How do you build a coalition of people that don't want to be in coalitions? They don't want to be in groups. The people who hate people party, we meet at the docks. <laughs> no. I am not on the road to becoming Trump's border. That is not going to happen. But I probably am on the road to doing righteous battle against anybody over here. This is the left. Here's the line. This is woke flakistan. This is where I'm about to begin lobbing my rhetorical bombs. Well, you have been already. You ain't seen nothing yet. You want to demonize me? I can play this game. I'm very good at it. You remember? Remember how you loved me when I was railing against the Tea Party, hippie? I remember Moonbeam once told me, we need you, Todd. <laughs> that I do believe, I assume, eventually, not going to happen just yet, but that's where this show's going to go. It's probably, it might even be rebranded. It might get a new name sometime after the first of the year. Sometime in 2022, I assume. But the propaganda material, the disinformation material, it's not done yet. There's still some things that I want to get into. But the, the final chapter of <clears throat> that topic, I know where it ends. I know how this story concludes itself. I haven't written it yet, but the script has an outline. We are storytellers, not truth seekers. That's it. I have just given it away. It's the old Tyrion Lannister thing from the, 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 the series finale, Game of Thrones. Nothing can compete with a good story. Nothing can compete with a good story that someone wants to believe. We are not constructed as truth seekers. I don't care what you say. You're going to get offended. I, I'm always seeking the truth. No. I dare say you're not. There are very few people, very few people in this world, very few human beings who are authentically seeking truth. And they're almost always scientists deploying the scientific method. Peer review. If you're isolated off in an echo chamber, engaging in Heights post hoc rationalization, Coming from an emotive standpoint, an emotive a snap judgment, and all of your reason is being used to support that snap judgment, you are not in pursuit of truth. And that is 99% of us. Storytellers. Not truth seekers. It's been a quiet but productive year for your friendly, congenial neighborhood, Tanzilla. 
still available for children's parties. My price has gone up, though. This is the Escaping the Cave podcast for now. <laughs> New Rumble channel out there. You can go check that out. Make sure you check out the YouTube channel. Subscribe and share that shit. I want that shared with all of your friends and family this week. That's your homework assignment, please, por favor. You are my marketing team. Facebook page is still up there. Tons of likes is the URL. <clears throat> at Escaping the Cave or at ETC Pod over at Twitter. I'm getting a little shaky. I'm going in for surgery here in about uh, 17 hours. That's why I'm doing this today. I want to make sure I get something out. Because <laughs> I don't know how long I'm going to be out of commission. Your thoughts and prayers. Very appreciated. Uh, what else? Twitter. Oh, Instagram. Yeah. Make sure you check out that Rumble channel, though. That's my hedge against uh, YouTube. <laughs> Thank you ever so much for tuning in. Wish me luck tomorrow. I'm going to need it. We will talk to you soon. Uh, as soon as I'm recovered, I'll try to uh, get something out as uh, quickly as I can. Again, thanks for your support. We'll talk to you next time. So long. <laughs>